Welcome to the PreparedX Podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello, and welcome to episode 122 of the PreparedX Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Burton. And just before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by First Look. First Look is a customized crisis simulation exercise service by PreparedX. We design it, you deliver it. See more details at preparedx.com slash first look uh today we're jumping in and we talk a little bit about exercises towards the end but certainly a good reason to to run an exercise is the new sec final cybersecurity disclosure rule and i'm here with brian uh, hoagley welcome brian hey thanks for having me robert yeah and uh, been a while since we've spoken but good to catch up uh brian is the ceo of side channel uh where he does uh, lots of work in the cyber security space he talks about risk management cyber security uh CISO, and all of the above so thanks for joining us today brian yeah no it's uh it's great to be here definitely top of mind and uh uh, a business risk that's not going away so that's for sure yeah but brian before we jump into a couple of questions for you here could you just let our audience know and our listeners and our viewers a little bit about more, more about brian and where you've come from and where you're heading yeah uh so i'm the ceo and founder of side channel we are a cybersecurity service provider uh, with both products and services and we focus on mid-market clients and and smaller so really kind of small enterprise about four or five billion in revenue is our largest clients. And we kind of go all the way down to, you know, VC backed startups and really kind of focus in on that space because it's a really underserved market. We've got some very great tailored solutions and some good focus over the last five years of delivering to that size client. So we feel like we know that that space very well. And it's honestly, it's it's just it's a lot of fun to work with. The, you know, these kind of organizations genuinely want to better their posture, they're they're cost conscious. And it's a good fit for how we approach uh, that market. But yeah, I, I came out of uh, DOD and uh, the intelligence community and then uh, have been a CISO for a Fortune 500 before launching Side Channel uh, back in 2019. Yeah, and I know we've worked together in the past uh, when you were that Fortune 500 company. So uh, good good to see you again. Um, okay, let's jump in then. So what impact does the SEC's new cybersecurity disclosure rule have on public companies? So the the biggest piece out of the whole requirement is actually the SEC is not mandating you implement or do anything. And that's actually kind of a, a, a unfortunate double-edged sword. They're requiring you to disclose what you are doing. Now, there is one aspect of something that you have to do, and that is you will have to report within four days to the SEC after you've had what you determine to be a material incident to your organization. Now, materiality is going to be ultimately up to you, right? That's what is material to one company is different from another. So your CFO, your traditional audit teams inside of your organization are going to have to determine that materiality or probably should already have that nailed down at this stage in the game if you're public. But you're going to have to then determine, hey, is this incident that now happened, is it material to the organization? And we see things like, you know, percentage of revenue, percentage of profit, impact kind of being the, the definition for that materiality. But that's one aspect. The real bulk of the work is actually centered around about 10 kind of shall statements, although the SEC doesn't say shall in, in their requirements, of 
aspects of your cyber program that you will have to fully disclose if you have anything at all. Now, I kind of been joking about this with some some uh, SEC attorneys, but you could write this sentence and be compliant with the SEC's regulations. We have no cybersecurity processes in place. That would be compliant with what the SEC is looking for because you have disclosed what your cyber processes look like. Now, no one wants to write that sentence, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So people are people want to be able to, you know, discuss what their program looks like, their processes, that they have experienced people at the helm or they're working with to be able to do this. Why? Because the goal out of all of this and through the SEC's requirement is let's give investors more information about what a company company is doing about this risk, just like all other risks that you disclose in your filings. The SEC is now mandating that companies, public companies, and Side Channel is a public company, so we're going to be eating our own dog food on this. All right. But, um, I feel like we have a bit of an advantage because yeah, right. I have I full so, team yeah. of security <laughs> experts. And oh, yeah. but you know, either way, you know, you have to look at this, and we have to disclose. And all these pu public companies, and there's about seventy five hundred to eight thousand public companies out there that are going to have to do this. There are no exemptions to this. The only exemption is the reporting requirement for smaller reporting companies, and the SEC has determined there's only about eight hundred of them. So, yep. so you know, about ten percent of the entire public company base. We'll have an extra 180 days to disclose um, uh, or start the disclosure components, but everyone else will have to meet these if their year is ending uh, December, it's like mid-December of this year. So these rules go into effect September 5th, which is only in like two weeks right. from when we're talking right now. Um, and all companies, you know, we're going to start seeing these disclosures show up in the uh, Q1 uh, 2024 filings of their 10Ks. Sure. So this is massively impactful. It it hits everyone that's a public company, sure. um, and organizations are really going to have to look at their their own themselves and say, listen, what are we going to be able to say we're doing against these these 10 plus items that the SEC is saying that we now have to discuss publicly? Right. Right. Yeah. So how is that going to work in practice then in terms of, you know, uh, th this, you know, this disclosure provision? Um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the ruling and, you know, the, the, the attorney general putting this in place, you know, but in, in practice, though, from a from a CISO standpoint or someone who's at the helm um, of the ship, you know, how is this going to work? So. What you're really going to need to do is you're going to need to look at your own organization and figure out what are we doing or not doing. And then out of that, you're going to be able to write your disclosure statement that needs to be representative of what you've implemented in your organization. Let's take a for instance. Um, you know, out of item 106, there's there's a slew of different components that are being looked for. Um, one of them is that, you know, the company discloses and discusses what management is doing to assess and identify cyber risks and what management's associated expertise is in this. So if I'm a CISO or if I'm, say an organization doesn't even have a security team, right? And that's a lot of public companies. A lot of companies don't have security providers internal or are using, right? They're kind of trying to figure this out. Um, that requirement, right? For just that one, you would have to say, listen, I don't know, my CIO maybe has a background in security. Maybe we work with this outside MSSP, this third-party provider to provide some level of service. You're going to have to disclose what that is. If you don't have anything, you're going to have to disclose that we, we don't have anyone with cybersecurity expertise here in the company 
we rely on third parties, blah, blah, blah. Now, again, generally, when you're writing disclosure statements in any of your filings, you need, you want them to be positive. You want them to be robust. So I think what we're going to see is organizations now kind of looking at these requirements and going, okay, we don't have anything that we can say we're doing around that requirement. What do we need to do so that that sounds that so that we can bolster that? And what's what this whole disclosure piece is going to do? And the SEC was very, I think, very uh, clever in their response to comments in the final rule back to commenters, giving clear, this is how we think and why we're doing this. We're doing this because this will help you. This will help investors better understand your risk posture. And and one of the really interesting comments that, that I, I, I'm just so glad the SEC publicly said was, yes, we understand that you might think that investment in cybersecurity now because of these disclosures will cause more expenses, therefore the stock price will go down. But weigh that against a future possible incident that will cost you significantly more and force the stock price to go even lower. Right. That's interesting. Amazing. Yeah. I mean- a, pu a public comp a public entity, a federal agency right. came out and basically said that. And I think if people really read this and start seeing how the SEC is looking at this and what's going on, they're going to realize, what right, the ounce of prevention, right, yep. worth more than the pound of cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. what's going to go into effect. Yeah, I think we see that in these cyber exercises we run where we, you know, we will put a stock, you know, a, a stock figure up, you know, and we'll say, look, if, if, this, if this is not happening, then this is what's going to happen. It's, and beyond that, right, beyond the stock price and the investors, it's the, you know, reputation, right? And all the communication oh, yeah. components that come along with that. This is uh, uh, really interesting stuff. So uh, the new rules, do they align with, I know the uh, the chair of the SEC uh, made a statement, I think it was last year, I was looking up um, this morning again, uh, with his view on consistency and comparable and uh, decision useful cybersecurity disclosures. How does that align with that? Um, I think that's that's the clarity that they're looking for. They're yeah. not looking for you to just kind of wave hands at your disclosure statement or even just use boilerplate uh, disclosure yeah, statements. Right, right. They're, they're really looking for you to go, this is what we're doing, yeah. right, to address the risks that we've identified to our organization. I can't just go copy some Fortune 500's disclosure statement and work it into mine, right? right? You really need to look at like, hey, listen, I'm a small business. My threats, the, the threats to me might be different. My ability to address those threats might be different. Sure. How do I talk about that? Right. You know, if I, I'm going to have a different disclosure statement saying, if I can say I have a CISO with 40 person team doing detection, response and recovery versus I have to outsource all of my security to an IT provider and mm. I don't know what we're doing. I hope they're doing the right thing. Right. Those are entirely different disclosure statements that you're going to be able to say and back up. Because again, an investor is going to read that and go, okay, this company, Enterprise, I would expect a CISO and a 40-person team based on the yeah. market cap and the organization, the right. maturity of you know that Fortune 50, Fortune 100, right? Fine. Small business. Okay, I wouldn't expect that, but I'm expecting you to start doing something now. Something, right. Right. Yeah. Work with your MSP, right? If you've got an MSP, and I mean, the, this goes further and beyond that organization, right? It it does, and you know, they they definitely call out in some of the requirements. You know, you can look at um, and have third party providers, right, to help you and support you. Talk about that if you are. We're, they're not mandating, expecting everybody to go out and sort of start hiring all these internal folks. Right, right. They're expecting you to address the risk. How you address the risk is up to you. So, could you work with a third party service provider? 
Um, could you could you hire a fractional you know CISO? Could you hire a consultant? Could you you know get a part time employee? I don't know if you're you know there, there's a variety of ways to to get that type of expertise. But then you're starting to look at okay, well, you know that that's only part of the requirements. A lot of the requirements are centered around you know what do your processes look like to you know identify, protect, detect, and respond. And the yeah. SEC doesn't say use NIST. But a lot of what they say throughout the entire disclosure and the rulemaking very much aligns to NIST. They cite NIST a number of times in their definitions, in their rules, but they don't say, hey, you have to follow NIST, right, but yeah, they yeah. are very yeah. kind of NIST-centric. So, yeah, you know, yeah, go yeah. tax dollar, U.S. tax dollars at work. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. And what, so in terms of the compliance dates, for I, I noticed a number of these forms. I think there was an 8K form, a, a 10K mm -hmm. form different forms for different companies including smaller firms what's what's going on with those uh, compliance dates for those yeah so you're what you're going to have to do is for item 106 um that's really going to go into all of your 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 regular filings your 10qs your 10ks so your, your standard filings where you're, you're publishing your disclosures about risks to the company this again this is all underneath a risk factor okay. section right the 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 item items uh 106 and such you're going to have to talk about, you know, that on a quarterly basis and on a yearly basis. Foreign filers are going to have to file a different form, um, and and again, same same thing, right? They're going to have to, you know, state those things. Um, you will have to file an 8K if you have an incident, right? And if so, if you have an incident, you'll have to file an 8K. You'll have to um, outline what's in that based on what the rules are saying, and then you'll also have to, you know, submit. And the SEC hasn't. Dis disclosed exactly what that process looks like yet. If it's a web portal, if it's an email, if it's a phone yeah. call, who knows? Some type of process by which you inform the SEC directly, you've had an incident, you're filing this 8K, you have to disclose in the 8K the, the materiality of the incident, meaning yeah. what is the impact to the incident? You don't have to get into nitty gritty details. They're actually very explicit about that. They're like, hey, we don't, we don't want you to tell us things that could further right. compromise you as an organization, but you do have to tell the investors what happened right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. what you expect the impact to be. So yeah, there's a number of forms. And then actually on a go forward basis in your 10 Qs or case, if you ever have an incident, you're going to have to put that incident into your disclosures as a past incident. And they force you to talk about what was your AAR? What was your oh, root really? cause analysis? Oh, yeah. Really so you had an incident. What did you do? What did you learn from it? What did you what are you going to do about it to better your organization? They actually call that out. So these incidents will now follow public companies in their filings and what you do about it afterwards, which I always feel is honestly the most important. Like, look, bad thing happened. That's unfortunate. But right. what are we going to learn from this? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about that remediation plan all the time. Right. We've got the okay, we've got the after action report. And I think you've probably heard me this I, I say this often. Lessons to be learned, right? So are we really going right. to learn from this? And have we implemented the changes? And have we validated that those changes actually work? Right. So this is good stuff. Um, uh, just to wrap up here, um, I know there's a ton of other stuff. Is it four days? I think you may have mentioned that at the beginning. Is it four days to to get that across to the SEC? It, it is. They're currently looking for four days from when you determine that it's material. Yep. So you're going to have to. So number one, you're going to have to have an incident response capability. Right. You're gonna, so, first, you have the detection capability to see if you had an incident. Right. Two, an incident response to be able to respond to it, to yep. then be able to formalize and then have a discussion to determine if it's material. Right. So I find it very interesting organizations that aren't going to do that. And we will see some that are going to go, oh, well, we don't have the ability to detect it. Therefore, we don't have to report it. Or if we report it a year later because we detected it or somebody told us, right? Like, imagine this. Our incident response detection capability is when others inform us that we've had a 
a breach. When that's, Brian when Brian Krebs writes a, right, when Brian Krebs writes about it on his right. blog, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 not the way to go. So I, right. you know, we're really talking to people right now, lawyers, SEC lawyers, you know, small cap, micro cap companies. Um, what what do you have in place? that you can talk about that you can do because there's there's so many precursors to be able to actually just have a solid disclosure on any of these aspects and you know what to be honest the way i look at it it's not a lot i don't think you really need a ton of spend to make this happen you just need to start making some really smart and some really you know good decisions now that are going to set up a foundation to allow you to have a maturing or robust disclosure statement. That's great. And so good, good opportunity as we wrap up here then to get that IRP out and, and run a game, run an exercise, right? Yeah, the last time you want to look at, or the first time you want to look at your IRP is not when you need it. I kind of <laughs> right. always joke yeah. about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, I appreciate you taking the time today. Um, that was That's it for today, Brian. Um, I know you're active on LinkedIn and a number of other platforms. How can folks get a hold of you? Yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can search hashtag CISO life or follow us anywhere and find out about what we're doing at sidechannel.com. Great. Appreciate your time again today. Well, thank you very much, Brian. And we'll be in touch again soon. That wraps up episode 122 of the podcast series. Uh, we encourage you, as always, to rate us on iTunes or the other outlets wherever you're listening to this podcast. Brian, thanks again. Thank you.